All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. If you think about it, we as a species of human beings should not be allowed to drive cars. Full True. stop. End. Mm-hmm. First True. of all, we're idiots behind the wheel for a variety of different reasons. Second of all, I pretty much think we just hand out driver's licenses now. I don't think there's any talent whatsoever needed to be able to drive a car. Uh, I was reminded again today on the drive-in that people are idiots behind the wheel. I mean, complete idiots. And here's the thing. What else in society, uh, widespread, are we allowed to do legally that is completely asinine? I think driving is number one uh, through number five. Because how many people die on the roads each year? We, it's proven. People die uh, behind the wheel. They either get in crashes, mm-hmm. they hit somebody, uh, we drink and drive, we get high mm-hmm. and drive. It's pretty much an honor system, by the way, when you get behind the mm-hmm. wheel. And mm-hmm. But we need to drive. We need to drive, and so we as a society allow it. But if you really think about it, and you really boil down to it, it we shouldn't be allowed to drive cars. We just are not capable as a species to do it effectively. Boy, you're really making Prove my case for mass transportation that I was making I was gonna yesterday. I was going to say, and I was the one who was pushing against yeah. it because we love our cars. And no, I'm not suggesting cars are going to go away, mm-hmm. but somebody else says parenting. That's a good one. What else yeah. are we widely allowed to do legally that probably should, uh, I guess not, we shouldn't be allowed to do, but there should be much more scrutiny on it. Driving. Um, owning a gun. Owning a gun. Thank you. Yes. Uh, driving. Yes. Parenting. I'll accept that. Yeah, getting what pregnant. Else? My God, you should have to take a test and a class and a, my gosh, provide a statement of income before you have a baby. Absolutely. But of course we can't, or we at least do we that. don't legislate no. that. Of course not. And no, we never will. And I, I don't think we'll become more strict on driving. And I don't think we'll become... I, Honestly, it doesn't look like we have the appetite to become more strict on gun ownership. Mm-hmm. But I, it's it's crazy to think that. And I, I know, again, you're not. I know I'm not advocating for we well, shouldn't drive vehicles. I get it. We have to drive vehicles. But it, when you think about it, it is completely crazy that we as a species are allowed to get behind the wheel. I'm the honor. So system. what brings this on? Be- I'm assuming that something uh, has happened. Not really. That just, you just, you are now anti-driver. I'm just or const- anti-human. No, I'm just constantly reminded that complete complete we have a, we are complete idiots on the road. The the the, the 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 common rules of the road, which I know we skirt. You know we are allowed to skirt uh, five, ten, fifteen miles an hour speed wise. But there are rules like left left lanes are for passing. Left lanes are for faster vehicles. The amount of people out there that don't get common concepts of road travel and vehicles is astonishing, and it's gotten worse. The, you know, this isn't something. Well, back, you know, the, no, it, it, it has gotten worse, and I think the pandemic had a lot to do with. It. I think people just forgot how to drive, and 
it, it's the the merging thing. I it, I mean, yes, I you know we can go on and on and on, but if you, in all seriousness, if you look, we uh, these are death machines. They are. We're driving two thousand, mm-hmm. three thousand pound vehicles that you know kill all the time. It's proven every single day. People die in road crashes every day, but we allow people to drive because it's legal and we have to get around and that's the way we do things. We've accepted that as a society, but you know, if I'm the alien, if I'm uh, Dr. Harry Vanderspiegel, mm-hmm. our friend from uh, the resident alien, resident who, comes alien. Down, who comes down and says, why do you allow people to do this? I think that would be number one on the list. Remember, this is one of the reasons I believe that kids don't want to drive. I think they realize this is a huge responsibility and they don't want to be behind the wheel if they crash the car or, God forbid, hurt somebody else or hurt themselves. This is one of the reasons I think kids don't want the responsibility. We have anxious kids and a lot of kids don't want to drive because they're like, really? You're going to put me behind the wheel of a thousand pound possible killing machine? I don't want that kind of responsibility. And I try Now that I have taught three children how to drive, and by the way, I was very grateful that my kids got their licenses. They wanted to drive. They do drive. You know, they have a lot of activities and schlepping all back and forth. I I wanted to be done driving them, being the chauffeur. I'm sure a lot of moms feel that way. But um, they – now, of course, I lost my train of thought. Um, They – when I would be out on the roads and somebody would be like a bad driver, like something you experienced, I would try to think to myself – Okay, that's probably a young driver, someone else's kid, maybe learning, maybe, you know, maybe just got their license. So I tried to have a little more patience. Yes. Yes. Give them grace. With with the bad drivers. But I always thought the craziest thing for me, Adam, because I taught three children how to drive, and thankfully they've all gotten their licenses. Wait a minute. You personally taught them how to drive? I did. I did. Really? Yeah, I did. After they passed their permit tests. I put them in the car and, Mm -hmm. you know, we had gone when, you know, when they're studying to get their permit, you can go to a parking lot and practice, you know, the first time behind the wheel, of course, you, you go to a big parking lot at a church or a synagogue and you drive and they drive around, they make turns, you know, that kind of thing. I said, it's time that you need to get uh, like on real roads. And I remember right their first time behind the wheel with me after they got their permit, I made them get on the highway. They're like, well, I'm not ready. I said, when are you going to be ready? There has to be a first yeah. time. You have to do it. And I was with them. But I would think to myself, sitting in the passenger seat, how is it legal that this 15-year-old yes. is allowed to get on a highway? <clears throat> not, And I don't have brakes on my side of the car. I don't have a second steering wheel, you know, like the people from the driving schools have. This is absolutely not the right way to do it, that Terrible. it's on the parents to teach them before they go for their behind the wheels. They should be required to do their behind the wheels with someone who has controls on another side before their parents teach them. But that's not the system we have. That is screwed up. I say this, though. I think teenagers like my teen, my <laughs> oldest is driving. Uh, both of our uh, oldest daughters are driving. I see kids now driving. I, I trust them more than I trust the, I think, that the older you get, the more careless you get, the more uh, you get that driver's attitude. Again, we are we are different people when we are behind the wheel. We, because we're usually in the car by ourselves, we get aggressive. Uh, we um, say things we wouldn't say to any other human being. Mm-hmm. 
And again, which leads me to my overall point, it is amazing to me that we as a society allow ourselves to do that. Because we do have technology that would allow us to all go the same speed. All these cars would be able to drive themselves pretty soon. But we're not going to do that. We're not going to allow that because we want that control. But it is just crazy oh, to me. I don't know. I want self-driving cars. Well, I think I there's a lot of people that do, but yeah. I think that a lot of us are like, no, I want to. I still, I don't. I want to be able to control. And I, I get it. You know, I and yes, it's all a problem. Not just the people who are going too slow. It's the people going too fast. Therein lies the problem. The overall problem of we. It's just a really dangerous thing to do, but we as a society allow it, and mm-hmm. it's become a necessity for us to do. So there's really no mm-hmm. going back. So what else in society is just crazy when you think about it that we're allowed to do it? Somebody says uh, axe throwing at bars. <laughs> yes. yes. To a much smaller degree. I want to do that. See? You know, maybe I'm a member of the stupidity, but I, I want no, to try axe throwing. Everybody, right, does, a, everybody right, who does it says they do love it. it. <clears throat> I don't know. I, do, I have no desire to do it, but you do you. Mm-hmm. But I think that's a controlled environment. But I get the point. I get the idea. It's like, what else in society do we do that's just crazy if you think about it? Do we have a phone call, Dave? Well, let's go to the phone lines. Uh, Lawrence. Lawrence. Hi, Lawrence. Come on, Lawrence. What do you got? Good Friday. Good Friday. First off. I love driving. Absolutely yeah. love it. I will drive. I will drive places that most people fly, just because I just because I enjoy it. But I thought I'd share two kind of funny stories related to teenagers, since Joe Diana picked it up. But when my son was ready to drive, I said, "Well, you need to show me how to change a tire." And he looked at me like I was nuts. Oh. Like, no, you know, you have to do that. Yep. And until he showed me he could fix a tire, I wouldn't let him drive. But I also told him that I have a very good nose, and I said if I ever smell alcohol or drugs, I said you'll never get your uh, your license. But but here's the funny story. After I got my license, I went to visit my godfather in New York City. I kept bugging him to drive, and he kept ignoring me. Finally, he let me drive to go pick up his wife during the rush hour in New York. I never asked to drive in New York again. Oh, oh yeah, that's a tough one. Anyway, Driving in New York is tough. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, good discussion, but I agree with people not knowing how to merge, not knowing what the left-hand lane is for, yeah. what's the difference yeah. between a stop side yeah. and a yield side, just the core basics. Mm-hmm. It, it's an issue. Thank you, Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Have a good weekend, sir. Appreciate it. Six five one four six one nine two two six. More calls and texts. It's nine eighteen on a Friday, and be safe on the roads, please. Oh my gosh! Could the Star Tribune change their name as part of a rebranding effort? Uh, they have hired. We're going to find out. We, they have hired a uh-huh. local advertising agency to do some rebranding, and everything's mm-hmm. on the table, including the name of the publication. Uh, a guest, Chris Isles, who is the vice president of marketing. Uh, for mm-hmm. the Star Tribune will be joining us in about 10 minutes to discuss that. Some uh, news this morning that's uh, got everybody a buzz. But we started out, because I'm buzzing with anger about the ability, yeah. the the lack of ability of our drivers, and it's just, it raises the question, like, why mm-hmm. as a society do we allow people to drive? I, I know we need to drive, but it's crazy because we're not good at it, and we kill people by the hundreds every single day. Uh, Tim is in Vadness Heights, who's called in. Tim, go ahead. Hi, how are you guys doing today? Doing well. Hi, Tim. Okay. You know, um, I'm a professional driver. I have a commercial driver's license. 
and uh, I'm 76 years old, and uh, the job I have right now, I transport students to from school. Oh. And so I drive about 100 miles a day. Oh, wow. And the observations that I have with uh, different drivers uh, is amazing. For instance, um, the percentage of people that are using their phones, texting and talking mm-hmm. with it in their hands Crazy. and so forth, while driving, it's, it's well over 70%. And um, I'm amazed that they aren't uh, stopping people and giving tickets for that. Because mm-hmm. distracted driving, I think, is probably the most... Um, uh, mm-hmm. biggest or yep. the biggest problem that that yes. we have totally the other thing is the um, um, the choices that they make people will get on the freeway and they see that the speed limit is 60 so they figure they got to drive 60 miles an hour uh, the speed limit is a suggestion you, you know you need to get near there but it doesn't mean you have to be at 60 miles an hour mm-hmm. and then there's uh, the choices that people make they think the uh, um, left lane of a highway is the uh, high speed lane, and that you know you can drive over the speed limit because you're in that lane, and that is a very common attitude that I experience with uh, other drivers. And um, it's not that I'm some old coot and I drive like a, someone's grandma or anything, but that I I drive the speed limit. Everybody passes me. Name a vehicle yeah, that passes. That's true. School buttons. Yeah. I yeah. uh semis. Yep. Any car on the road. And um and I'm driving the speed limit. Yep. Well, you should if you and, got kids in the uh, driving yep. a school bus full of kids. Tim, yeah. thank you for the call. That's Tim the old coot. And for what you do. Can we Thanks, still say Tim. old coot? <clears throat> Are we allowed? To I, I hope so. I hope I'm not. If I'm not on the air on Monday, you know what. Yeah, well, whatever a coot is right now, it's just a, a reference for a bus driver. But we should all—that's the point. We should all drive like we have a f- bus full of kids. Yeah, but we don't. Yes. I mean, think about the time, yes. Jordana. Think about the time you remember when your first child was born and you had to drive home from the hospital oh, with your newborn God. baby in the car, <laughs> easily without question, the most stressful drive of my life. I could not 100%. believe that they were putting a live child in our car and that we had to go. We're like, really? <clears throat> we can go home with this kid? This is we can. Right. You're just letting, letting you're just, us. Take you're not this coming human. with us. You're not coming with yeah. us to make sure we do everything right. Nope. There you go. Put the kid in the car seat. Bye bye. Good yep. luck. And mm-hmm. but that we should. That's what we should all be driving like. But we don't. Mm-hmm. But we don't. And we don't let our kids either. I mean, how many of the kids that we do teach to drive? Then they get comfortable. Then I mean, they're still teenagers. They're invincible. Their brains aren't formed yet. But here's the deal. I'm not saying that we can't. Uh, let teenagers drive. We need teenagers to drive. They have jobs. They need to go places. They need to give their parents a break from schlepping them around. Um, they take, they do take, by the way, one texter said that she's learned to be a better driver from her kids because the kids just took those driving tests again yep. you know, for the first time. And they reminded the mom of or dad, whatever, whichever the texter is, of the rules of the road. And they are conversations like the kids and I, when we approach traffic circles, I'm like, okay, you guys know how to navigate the traffic circle. And they do because that's something they learn in class. That's another thing that I'd advocate for, even though we don't, I don't think we have the staffing or or the ability. I mean, it's hard enough to get a driving exam right now. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. But more frequent driving exams. That's one thing that I, I absolutely would be in favor of, whether it's every five years, whatever, where everybody should absolutely take a driving test to make sure they still have the skills necessary to do it. Um, we have to take a vision test, right. you know, when you get renew your license. Right. And, I mean, that's one step, but it also we should have a, yeah. make sure our skills are enough to still be on the road. And I know we don't have the appetite. We'd never do that because yeah. too many people would lose their license and then mm-hmm. people would freak out. And obviously we don't have the staff to make sure that everybody in the state every five years takes a driving test. But I, I raised the question, too, that which started this. What else in society do we allow uh, people to do that is kind of crazy? Somebody else suggested voting. <laughs> Yeah. But there, well, there should be a test for right. voting. It's our right. But uh, again, like, right, if, you, if you're going to tell me that everybody uh, has, is even as everybody else and their ability to vote, eh, I'm not so sure about that. I know. Mine is parenting, man, because there's a bunch of crappy parents out there that are not prepared for kids. But I have no idea what to do about that. Can't solve that problem. But there should have to be a test and you should have to, right. you know, get a petition, well, honest, get a letter of recommendation. I mean, something, well, that's a whole yeah. other conversation that I'd like to have sometime because, I oh, mean, boy. we're never going to restrict people to have kids. But like you just mentioned, the the expense of having a child. Mm. I mean, we we don't allow people to buy houses that they can't afford. Mm-hmm. Yet anybody can have a child, and they're extremely expensive. And let's face oh, it, yeah. most people. I, how how many people l- actually are have the wherewithal and the means to have a child? It's probably not a lot. Very few, right? Very. And I'm few. not. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I probably when I had when we had our kids, we probably weren't in a financial situation where we could have them. Yet we don't restrict that, nor should we. But that's mm-hmm. it's something to think about for sure. Something to think about. All right. Well, drive safely out there. Be careful. You know, make sure your kids know what they're doing. Do not text and drive. Do not be distracted. Um, Next, what would you think if the Star Tribune changed their name or the voice they tell stories? And we're very curious about this. There could be a rebranding of the Star Tribune. So Chris Isles, Vice President of Communications, is going to join us to talk about this idea of rebranding the Strib. That's next. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. We get the Star Tribune delivered every day to our home. I read it online, too. I know that's redundant, but I'm old school. So does it need a rebrand? When we read that advertising agency, local advertising agency, Cole McVoy, was picked to rebrand the Star Tribune, we asked ourselves, why? (laughs) Here to answer that question is Chris Isles. Chris Isles is from the Star Tribune. He's pretty new over there, coming from the Twins. That's where we remember him from. But he's the communications director at the Star Tribune. Chris, we're so happy to have you joining us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Hey, thrilled to be here today. Thanks for having me. So why does the Star Tribune need a rebrand? 
Yeah, great question. So uh, I'm not sure if you guys have been tracking what's going on over at the Star Tribune, but we're making some pretty significant investments to really reshape the model for local media and provide a, a, a model that can be followed nationwide going forward. Um, in a time where most media organizations are shrinking, we are we are taking an aggressive growth stance. And part of that is shifting the perception of what the Star Tribune is and can be for the future generation of readers. And that exactly is at the crux of why we are undergoing a rebrand. We need to refresh our look, our feel, how we appeal to the next generation of, of Star Tribune readers. And uh, that's why we've partnered up with local, you know, creative powerhouse Cole McVoy to do just that and rebrand the Star Tribune. Chris, what is it about how people view the Star Tribune now that you feel needs to change? Yeah, you know, I wouldn't say it's necessarily about how people view the Star Tribune, but, you know, generally about where we're at as a media organization. Um, I think, you know, it's no secret that local media has been in decline for a number of years. And that is counter to the trend that, you know, really local journalism has never been more important to our society. I mean, take a look at uh, the election we've got coming up later this year and everything that's that's happening. Um, journalism and local journalism in particular are, are of incredible importance to society. Um, and at the same time, uh, we're seeing that shrink. So we at the Star Tribune are, are combating that trend. We're making significant investments, thanks to our, our great ownership in, in Glenn Taylor, uh, to really ensure local media survives and thrives well into the future and provides value for our society, uh, you know, well past, uh, well past our days here. So what's the rebranding going to look like? And is it just rebranding or is it a change of ideals on how the Star Tribune covers and presents the news? That is a great question, and I would say it's all of the above. Um, We are looking for ways to ensure that our coverage is relevant not only to our current and loyal subscribers, but to those who uh, will be reading us in the future. So we are taking a look at, you know, how we are doing content and the verticals in which that content lies. And then really how that manifests itself in in visual form, really everything is on the table. Everything from the name of the Star Tribune to the logo to the colors to uh, the fonts that we use. And I'd say we we are closely examining all of those things to ensure they accurately reflect uh, the future and the aspirations of local media and in particular of how we can shape local media and build a sustainable model to ensure local media survives well into the future. Even the name? I mean, that's I think that would shock a lot of people saying, boy, why would you change the name? I mean, Star Tribune by far and away, I think, is the number one news source for most Minnesotans. And they associate that name with the news of the state. Yeah, I'd say, you know, it's not a sure thing that we're going to do that. I'd just say it's something that is under consideration. When you undergo a rebranding process, I think you owe it to the brand, really, uh, to take a close look at all elements of the brand and ensure that they're relevant, not only with uh, the people that are reading you today and that have been loyal and with you for years and years, but the people who ultimately are going to be the future readers uh, of our publication and, and of our media outlet. So we owe it to the brand to take a look at all those things. Exactly what is going to change is to be determined at this point, but we're fortunate to be partnered up with uh, creative powerhouse Cole McVoy mm-hmm. to really help us identify what is going to be the most responsible thing uh, for the Star Tribune to do, not only for our current readers, but for our future. 
We're talking with Chris Isles, who's the uh, vice president of communications for the Star Tribune, on what they have announced as a rebrand for the Star Tribune. Uh, Chris, I work in a medium that is no longer at the. Ne- I- I'm going to be honest. You know, the top of its game. It's radio. What are you talking? It, AM a, radio is at the forefront medium. of communications. How dare you <laughs> say that, Jordana? Top talent like Jordana and Adam. Thank you. Thank they you. are. Checks yeah, in the mail. Are. Checks in the mail, Chris. Yeah. And, you know, Chris. I mean, we're just honest about this. We're doing our best. Obviously, we. Yeah. I, I always say podcasts are the original radio. So they've just you yeah. know influencers are the we endorsers were the original influencers. So there are similarities, of course, to new media. Media versus traditional media like radio and and you guys are the same thing you're a, a traditional medium uh you know being newspaper who are the readers of the future and how is the star tribune um attracting them and you know keep, you know trying to hold on to them to secure your place in the world in this changing media landscape yeah, that's a great question. I think you know our future readers are the are the same future listeners to um, to WCCL. Um, okay. We're taking a pretty close look at at Gen Z and really what is uh, what is relevant to them, the content formats and the mediums that are relevant to them. Uh, yes, we've traditionally been a print publication, but we know that. Uh, you know, that's only a part of our future. We really need to get into novel content formats that we're seeing resonate, uh, with much younger audiences, which, which is, is all of our future. Um, and so we're taking a look at not only the types of content, but where that's being presented, where that's being promoted across social platforms. Um, and, and ultimately, uh, you know, if we're going to be able to attract them back to what, you know, is our flagship product, which is, is a, you know, physical paper. Um, we're not sure that that is going to be the, the future of the organization, although uh, we know that will always be a part of our business. But we know to be relevant with future audiences, we need to meet them where they are. And it's pretty clearly not uh, where we are right now. So we need to be paying attention to that and, and uh, conscious of that as we think about where we are going as an organization. Reading this article, uh, the agency, uh, Cole McV- McVoy, Yep. Part of their task is a, quote, complete reimagining of the Star Tribune's tone of voice. What does that mean? Yeah, you know, that's to be determined. I mean, I think we will always be the source of truth, uh, the source of facts. That's something that I think, you know, we all collectively as journalists can agree is, is incredibly important to journalism and, and, you know, how we tell the stories that shape our community. Um so to be determined on that, uh, you know, I, I think. Chris, you know, can I can I ask are, you can I ask yeah. you this? Sorry to interrupt you, yeah. but no, I go, think go. There, there's a perception. Obviously, you know this. Anybody who follows yeah. media, and certainly us, we get texts all the time that there's a perception that mainstream media, uh, especially legacy news organizations like the Star Tribune, like the w, like WCCO Radio, frankly, uh, have a yeah. left lean that are you know, yeah. and the, yeah. th- that exists. Yep. Is part of the change of the tone of voice to address that, or can that is that possible? It, I mean, it's it certainly is. It certainly is. I mean, you 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 mentioned the perception that that mainstream media is is left leaning, and and for all intents and purposes, perception is reality. We at the Star Tribune, we really want to own the middle of the road and be that place where you can you can seek uh, opinions and and ideas from both sides of the aisle. Um, and so I think based on what 
you know, we are hearing and, and really that, that perception is reality. Yes, we are looking to represent voices from all sides of issues, uh, probably better than traditional media outlets have uh, of late. Well, I'm really glad to hear that. I'm glad because you're right. People rail against the Star Tribune from both sides of the aisle, by the way, you know, depending like this show, you know, oh, Jordana's I've been accused of being a conservative. Adam has been accused of being (laughs) super liberal. I mean, we've been accused of all people hear what they want to hear. So I'm glad at least. And what I'm hearing from you, Chris, is that the commitment to journalism will maintain, but it may look different in The way I don't know if it's the way it's presented or the way it looks or the mediums on which it will be presented, i.e. social media. All of those things are on the table right now. And Chris, when you say commitment to journalism, I've seen through some of the responses, at least on X this morning, about, well, what about your reporters paying your reporters more instead of partnering with a big you know, ad agency? Uh, I think both can be done at the same time. You just want to address that if people are concerned. Well, what about you know that commitment to having reporters cover local news, cover the state news? I would say our commitment to reporters and having you know a, a deep, deep bench of reporters um, is second to none. We are the largest organiz- uh, media organization in the Midwest in terms of uh, you know headcount in our newsroom, in terms of actual journalists doing quality journalism. We're larger than the Chicago Tribune, largest newsroom in the Midwest. We've made significant investments, uh, not only in terms of breaking news, but also in terms of how we are going to be covering the broader state. We're hiring a number of reporters right now uh, in greater Minnesota to better cover uh, the regions and to really push ourselves out outside of the metro area to be a publication that covers more of the state for all of the state. Um, so I, I would say, yeah, those concerns are, are something that we you know take to heart and are something that we're actively addressing through investment in reporting resources. And I know how hard those reporters work. So, you know, I commend the Star Tribune for keeping those staff reporters and paying them on their own. Uh, but before we let you go, Chris, yeah. Do you and I'm just curious, do you think the physical paper will always exist? You know, that's a great question. I, I think uh, as of right now, the answer is yes. Um, we are building a center of excellence around our print product. Um, and and there's something about holding a physical copy, something about physical media that just feels special and feels real. Um, so the answer for right now is no, the, the physical paper is not going away. Chris, thank you for the time. This is fascinating, and we'll, uh, we'll be along for the ride as uh, we see the changes that uh, this brings about, and it's very interesting, certainly to us as another legacy media in town. And uh, thank you so much for the time today. We'll reach out again. Thanks so much for having me on. Chris Isles, Vice President of Communications for the Star Tribune. Lots to chew on from that interview, so let's uh, react to it. Uh, when we get back, it is 948 on News Talk 830 WCCO. 953 is your Lindus construction time check. Time to uh, get 75% off installation labor on Infinity from Marvin Windows. Fascinating interview there with Chris Isles from the Star Tribune about this rebranding, reimaging mm-hmm. of the Star Tribune. And you can say, well, the headline is they might change their name. And again, that's we're a long way from that, but he said that's on the table. To me, the headline from that talk was... They absolutely recognize that there's a large percentage of the population that looks at the Star Tribune and says, wow, that's a left-leaning paper. 
and that they're change they're, they're they will actively try to change that perception. And I don't think they're the only ones. I think there's a lot of media organizations, Jor, around the country that are recognizing that too and doing what they can, not necessarily to literally uh, change how their reporters cover stories, but to change that perception. Hmm. Well, to change that perception, wouldn't you have to change the way people cover stories? Wouldn't you have the proof is in the pudding? Like, if you yeah. have a lean and you keep that lean, I mean, hopefully people aren't going to believe if you just say, oh, no, 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 we're not that way, but keep publishing things that right. have a lean. And I'm not saying the Star Tribune does that, but you would actually have to change yep. the ideology or you would have to prove, okay, if we're going to publish this article with a lean, we're also going to publish this one side by side with the opposite lean. Commentary. And I think, right. I yeah, think but, right, the, or people would be open to that. Right. The difference is, is that journalism is journalism and reporting the facts yes. should be reporting the facts. Now, if you want to add voices of commentary that uh, quote unquote equal out your coverage, maybe that's mm-hmm. what we're talking about. But that, you know, every time that's done, even with like tradition, I, if you've, if you follow like the New York Times, anytime they have like a conservative voice on the New York Times or somebody that's, you know, gives a conservative point of view, typically they get lambasted by the yeah. New York Times traditional readers. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that, you know, mm-hmm. that they do the same thing that the people on the right do. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. Look, they're going to turn into becoming a right wing publication. I think if you're getting mm-hmm. criticized from both sides, frankly, I think you're doing it right. You're doing um, it right. But mm-hmm. we'll see. Uh, it's very, it's, it'll be interesting to see because. Again, start. It's the Star Tribune, and then everybody else is a distant second when it comes to news in this town. Right. It'll be interesting to see. You know, the old adage is, "If it ain't broke, don't fix it." So it'll be interesting to see how they do this moving forward. I think there's something to be said, though, for holding on to your legacy. The fact Absolutely. that you have been a trusted source, like we, we, we here at CCO Radio are turning a hundred this year. And there is a legacy of serving the people. And we need to, yes, it, yes, you know, ideas change and coverage changes and we have different leadership or different people on the air that offer different voices. But I think being a trusted news source, and again, our voices are just talk show voices. You can listen to the news at the top and often at the bottom of the hour and during our news programs. Right now, what Adam and I are doing is commentary. It's not journalism. But Holding on to that, I think there are so few trusted news sources in the universe now that, and the Star Tribune being one of them, you you can't necessarily bend to the will of the current no. climate. You still have to hold on to that legacy. It's because we have just like the, there are so many outlets to get your quote unquote news from, where people think yeah. people want to go to their silos because they know. They think they know what the truth is, and they get a publication that tells them a version of that truth, <clears throat> and they do, they're not willing to look at other <clears throat> sources and see those, and that goes, that goes for everybody. And, yeah, it's on us, too, yep. not just them. Right. It's on people. It's on consumers of news, Yes, not just the Star Tribune. 957, right, uh, we got quick takes coming up after the news. DJ, what do we got uh, coming up? Uh, coming up in quick takes, the French government is saying you can't call a fake steak a steak. Also, Caitlin Clark <laughs> heading to the WNBA. Awesome. <laughs>
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 